this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindu's in focus podcast with me amit barua your host for this episode taliban authorities in kabul have denied that wanted terrorist kingpin masood azhar of the jaish e mohammed was in afghanistan The denial came in the wake of a report in the Pakistani newspaper The News which claimed that Azhar was in Afghanistan. Masood Azhar it may be recalled was released by India following the hijacking of an Indian Airlines aircraft to Kandahar in 1999. He was designated an international terrorist by the United Nations in 2019. Azhar's name surfaced soon after the Tehreek-e-Taliban Pakistan has once again killed Pakistani soldiers and the ceasefire brokered between the ttp and the pakistani state is coming apart it also comes at a time when the financial action task force or fatf is supposed to let pakistan off the gray list to discuss these issues i'm joined by rana banerjee long time pakistan watcher and analyst who has worked in india's cabinet secretariat welcome to the in focus podcast mr banerjee thank you amit thank you for having me on the podcast mr banerjee So why do you think uh, you know this Masood Azhar's name has suddenly surfaced and what do you make of this little spat between uh, you know the Taliban and Afga- uh, Pakistan which are supposed to be great allies it's very very interesting in the sense that Masood Azhar has been a very valuable asset of the Pakistan army in the context of their asymmetrical war using non state actors against India especially in Kashmir he has been kept in their protective custody for the foreseeable uh, past because he originally belongs to bahawalpur and the jaish e mohammed has a large property empire there which they have built on with the help of funding that masood was able to get over the years but for the last 2 3 years he has not been living there for fear of becoming a target of uh, you know for elimination so the pakistan army has especially preserved his and look his whereabouts secret possibly in safe houses in rawalpindi or islamabad they keep shifting him from one to the other in recent times we are aware of an effort by his brother who is actually now operationally in charge of running day to day affairs of the jaish because masood azhar is said to be keeping indifferent health rauf azgar he wanted to meet uh, masood azhar and he was facilitated to do so in islamabad thereafter masood uh, rauf asghar also seems to have been taken into some sort of a protective custody when the fatf team visited islamabad on a five day visit a 15 member team went there from august 29 and they were there till the 2nd of september it is possible that his issue may have been discussed because only recently the chinese went to extraordinary lengths to prevent the UN security council from putting him on the sanctions committee terrorist list but somehow they conceded after a while but they have still not uh, agreed to put him on the travel censure list so it is possible that azhar may have been allowed to go away somewhere but if uh, the pakistan authorities wanted the fatf to believe that he is no longer in their custody the denial the prompt denial of the afghan taliban has put egg on their face in the sense that though the pakistan authorities 
reportedly sent a letter saying that he may be somewhere in Kunnar or in Nangarhar and you please search and arrest him within seven days. The uh, Taliban spokesman Sohel Shaheen has uh, promptly said that no, he is not in Afghanistan. We will definitely search, but we know that he is not there. And uh, he, he has been under your custody always. So why are you now saying that uh, he has uh, uh, come here? We are not going to let any such terrorist elements come to our soil and uh, indulge in terrorist activities from here. This is a constraint which the Taliban already have after the elimination of Jawahiri because they are seeking international recognition. And the presence or the discovery of Jawahiri in Kabul in a house belonging to the Sirajuddin Haqqani network uh, considerably embarrassed them in this quest for international recognition and acceptance of their new government. So to add to their frustration, if the Pakistanis were now alleging that Masood Azhar was also being harbored there, this would have further damaged this quest of the Afghan Taliban. So they have promptly uh, rebutted this uh, claim. And this has led to a considerable amount of tension in the relations between Afghan Taliban leadership and uh, uh, the Pakistani military leadership also. Recently, there were allegations in the Pakistan media that uh, Mullah Yaqub, the defense minister, was uh, carrying out uh, a, a propaganda support to the Taliban, Tehrike Taliban, and frustrating the peace talks that were going on between the Pakistani authorities and the TTP. And this again could indicate a ship, a, a, a sort of schism between the Sirajuddin Haqqani faction, the interior minister and the defense minister Mullah Yaqub, who is the son of Mullah Omar. But this is, of course, a developing lift. It is only at a nascent stage. What is more important is that it has created bad relations between Pakistan military and the Afghan Taliban leaders. Mr. Banerjee, uh, you know, for the benefit of our in-focus uh, listeners, can you tell us who is Masood Azhar and why is he so important that India should lay its hands on him? Yes, I mean, he is uh, very important. He is 54 years old. He was born in Bahawalpur, but he joined the Harkatul Ansar as an ideologue. He was physically not the fittest. So in their uh, terrorism training camps, etc., he could not perform some of the minimum uh, physical uh, yardsticks of enrolling as a militant. So he proved his mettle by emerging as an effective fund collector as an ideologue and a fund collector and he was an, encouraged to visit Kenya and the UK in the early 90s, 93-94 when the Bosnia problems were going on and he was able to garner and collect a lot of funds for the jaish e muhammad during this time through his preaching and ideological calls about liberation of Kashmir through you know uh, the efforts of the non-state actors. So at that time, uh, Pakistan intelligence nurtured him from then onwards as a very valuable asset and an alternative string to their bow of using the, both the Lashkar and the Jaish against uh, India in uh, Jammu and Kashmir. So since then, he has been, uh, of course, he came to India, as, as many would know, in uh, 1994. In February 1994, he was arrested from Khanabal in JNK and was in custody. Uh, from then till uh, December 99, when he was released as one of the hostages uh, in the negotiations that were there after the hostage taking in the IC-814 aircraft. After his release, 
he indulged once again in making his Bahawalpur campus very, very effective and powerful. And along with his brothers, Rauf Asghar and others, he planned the uh, parliament attack against India in 2001. Thereafter, more recently, uh, as the Lashkar has been riddled due to international pressure, the Jaish has been put forward as an alternative option from 2010 onwards. And again, uh, Jaish Muhammad and his leadership led by Mulan Azhar were prominent in the planning of the Pathan Court attack in 2016 and the Pulwama uh, attack as well in 2019. But his health has been a problem, so he has not been very mobile. And the day-to-day operational management of the Jaish has been left to his brother, Abdul Rauf Asghar. That is the situation as of now. And this sudden disappearance may have been an obvious sort of ham-handed ploy by the Pakistani authorities to allay the suspicions of the FATF visiting team in case they may have asked what is happening to the current activities of Malana Masudas. Mr. Banerjee, uh, you know, of late we've seen uh, against skirmishes between the Pakistani Taliban and the killing of Pakistani soldiers. Uh, uh, this is something that uh, has happened, you know, after this so-called ceasefire had come into effect. So what do you make of this relationship, uh, in a sense, the three-sided relationship between the Tehreek-e-Taliban, Pakistan, the Pakistani state, and indeed uh, the Afghan Taliban? Yes, the Afghan Taliban agreed to mediate. This was because Sirajuddin Haqqani, the interior minister, is beholden to the ISI over a very long relationship from his father's time. So they said we can facilitate the talks between the TTP leadership and you all, but we will not do anything to curb the activities of the TTP from our side. It is up to you in between the two of you to arrive at some sort of solution. So we have seen over the last three, four months, uh, some progress in these talks. The TTP insisted on a release of its arrested leaders. This was allowed and very many prominent leaders, at least 15 or 20 of them were released from jails in Pakistan. Despite that, the skirmishes have not stopped and the TTP Wali Masood faction has not agreed to come down on any of their demands. One is the, that of Islam, uh, Sharia, then the other is of imposing of Sharia, then the other of undoing the merger of Fata with Khyber Pakhtunkhwa, and the third is of giving up weapons unconditionally before further talks. So on all these issues, there have been a stalemate. Rather, lately there has been the perception among Pakistani journalists who were briefed in an indoor camera session by the Pakistan military leadership, that things were not going very well and some of the Taliban leaders were allowed to return to their old haunts, both in the hills of Swat as also in the south and north Waziristan regions of the old Fata, now of course merged in Khyber Pakhtunkhwa. So there has been a sort of uh, rethinking in the Pakistan army about the extent of pressure that the Afghan Taliban can put on the TTP. And uh, also on the type of leadership which was being provided by the core commander in Peshawar, General Faiz Hamid, who has been in the limelight in, the, in his quest for, you know, uh, becoming the next army chief and the patronizing that he has received from uh, the ousted prime, former prime minister Imran Khan. So Faiz was also trying to produce a rabbit out of the hat as core commander and in the process he may have become too soft in his approach or dealings with uh, the Tehreek Taliban in Kabul. So recently he has been shifted out as core commander from Bishawar to a less important 
perceptibly backwater corps command in Bahawal and a new uh, general who was military secretary to General Bajwa has he has also had experience in uh, Azhar Hayat uh, in uh, working in operational commands in Fata earlier. He has been now posted as the new corps commander of 11 Corps Peshawar. So this could presage a little more of a hard line in dealing with the Tariqe Taliban and also this would underlie persisting tensions between Afghan Taliban and the Pakistan army leadership. The latter would accuse the former of not doing enough to put pressure on the TTP. We've also seen, um, uh, you know, I've seen videos of uh, uh, Afghan Taliban, uh, you know, breaching the fence uh, along the Durand line and coming in uh, vehicles inside. And there have been reports of clashes also between the Taliban and Pakistani soldiers. So what do you make of uh, these incidents? Yes, this is also an increasingly important and uh, interesting development. The Taliban, Afghan Taliban, have never accepted the permanence of the door and line. And despite uh, the work that has been done by the Pakistan army to create fencing all along the door and line, this process they claim is complete. But some of the passes which have been opened for the uh, villagers on either side who have close uh, you know, social and uh, filial affinities and they keep traveling also to markets on either side of the border, they have found difficulty in going and coming across at short notice. So this has led to overreaction by guards on either side. Either the Afghan guards have sometimes overreacted against villagers going from this side or uh, the Pakistani uh, pickets have uh, overreacted against normal Pashtun uh, travelers coming in from the other side. So this has led to relationship becoming frayed and such claims being made that this is an unnecessary impediment which the Pakistan army has now created to a centuries-old tradition of, you know, a soft border being there uh, between the Pashtuns on either side. So the Taliban, Afghan Taliban, are upset about this type of approach, hardline approach that is being taken by the Pakistan army. Uh, Mr. Banerjee, we've also seen, you know, after a long period, uh, especially when Imran Khan was the prime minister, their relations between the United States and Pakistan were none too good. And clearly this has been an issue, uh, you know, for the two countries uh, who have traditionally been very close to each other. But now we have these reports uh, that the United States has agreed to a $450 million deal to help Pakistan upgrade its F-16s. And yet again, um, in the comments that have come out from Washington, uh, the Americans are saying that uh, these F-16s are being upgraded to sort of strengthen Pakistan's uh, counter-terror or anti-terror capabilities. Would you take that with a pinch of salt? Actually, no. You see, the F-16s are very old aircraft that are there. They are the A and B category aircraft which were not at that time when they were given nuclear capable. The C and D aircraft complement was given later, which are nuclear capable or which can take on the nuclear uh, missile delivery. The present assistance revival is a sort of a technical support or a sustainability support given for the F-16 A and B variants, which are very old aircraft. And uh, this is part of her agreement, which was there between the Pakistanis and the Americans in 2004. Donald Trump had completely suspended this agreement. But now 
it has been revived in a larger perspective of you know re-examining the Pakistan-U.S. relations, which the Biden administration has undertaken after the current army chief in Pakistan, General Bajwa, has signaled very very carefully and deliberately that the Pakistan army would like to resume their you know suspended relationship of uh, foreign military sales with the American equipment which they have been getting over the years as they are not fully satisfied with the heavy dependence that Pakistan army has lately developed on Chinese military weapon supplies which are perhaps not of that same quality as the American equipment. So this signaling has been going on ever since Imran was ousted. Bajwa has been very distinctly and deliberately making this uh, signaling that if you want us to cooperate with you about drone, uh, you know, flights or targeting of, you know, important counter-terrorism targets inside Afghanistan using Pakistan discreetly, then you also try to help us uh, make our old equipment operationally viable again. Of course, this does not rule out the fact of these F-16s being used against India as the Pakistan army has always done. But somehow this argument of our protest to the Americans does not cut much ice with them. Right. Mr. Banerjee, before I let you go, uh, you know, we all know that uh, an appointment of an army chief is quite momentous in Pakistan. You know, it has bearing on what you were saying on foreign affairs, on relations with the United States, on relations with China, uh, you know, on relations with India, you know, on every aspect really of uh, Pakistan's foreign policy and indeed uh, their internal domestic policies. And uh, an extension has been, uh, you know, had been granted to General Bajwa. And we saw some time ago the ISPR made a statement that, uh, you know, he's not really interested in any further extensions. And now Mr. Imran Khan, who's been locked in a, you know, pretty big battle with uh, the army establishment, having been nurtured by it for a long time. He's now saying or he's, he's suggesting that a new elected government should decide on who should be the army chief. And, uh, you know, in the interim, possibly he's suggesting that the status quo should persist. That is, Mr. Bajwa, General Bajwa continues in office. What do you make of uh, Imran's comment? See, this is a deliberate, somewhat desperate attempt on part of Imran Khan to make the selection of the army chief, particularly by the current government in power, controversial. In the process, he is further annoying the senior generals who have rallied behind Bajwa while Imran has been trying to uh, spread dissonance within at various levels of serving and retired army uh, officers because of his obvious uh, preference for General Fayez Hamid earlier, who was earlier DPISI. Now, he has made two very interesting type of statements which are a bit contradictory. First, he said that he would not be happy with an appointment of a new army chief made by uh, you know, corrupt political leaders like Nawaz Sharif and Asif Ali Zaddari. Then later on, he has made this other statement that maybe it is better if Bajwa is allowed to continue to try to put a cat among pigeons or to try to further induce Bajwa. I don't think uh, this bait will be taken uh, very seriously. Why? Because there has been also another statement given by the current defense minister, Khwaja Asif, who is a very seasoned politician and a very experienced Muslim leaguer over the years. His father was a close associate of Muhammad Ali Jinnah. Now, Khwaja Asif has a certain acceptability among the within the military or the senior army generals also. He has, he has recently said that General Asim Muni 
would be a strong contender among the panel, those who would be eligible in the panel. Now, Asim Munir uh, was for earlier DGISI before he was shifted out by Imran Khan because he played the role of a whistleblower in pointing out to Imran Khan the alleged corruption deals which his wife, his third wife, Pinky uh, Peep, was indulging in along with her relatives and the complicit Punjab administration in various land deals and sales of an illegal nature in which another lady, Farah Gogi, was involved. Now, after he made this complaint public to Imran Khan, Imran ensured that he is eased out of ISI. Asim Munir was earlier a favorite officer of Bajwa. He had served as Div Commander and the Force Command Northern Areas, which deals with Gilkit Pakistan. Then he was made DGMI, Military Intelligence. Then he was promoted at DGISI. So he was on the an officer on the whose career was in the offspring. And he is the first who would be eligible for Army Chief, first sword of honor from PMA Kapoor if he becomes Army Chief. But he is slated to retire two days before Bajwa's own retirement, that is November 27. And he is from an earlier batch. Most of his other batchmates of the long course that he did will retire on the 30th of September. So normally speaking, even due to some administrative reasons, the assignment or the charge of retirement has been delayed by one or two months. Such officers do not make the panel for selection. But so the, I believe that the panel will uh, include the senior most officers of the next PMA long uh, course list. That is probably the 71st to the 70th long course list, which includes the senior most being Sahir Shamshad Mirza and the next senior being Azhar Abbas and then uh, Naumar Mehud and then Faiz Hamid. These are the four who will then become eligible. This is going to be a thing in the play over the next three to four weeks. And Imran is a little afraid that if Asim Munir makes the cut on the panel, he may take revenge for his earlier ouster from the important post of DJISI from where he was sent shunted to a backwater core command in Gujarat. We'll keep watching uh, this space and what's happening and uh, reverting to you for your insights again. Thank you, Mr. Banerjee, for talking to the Hindus in Focus podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.